This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. So we're, we've been talking about moving forward, part two, volume two, and uh, we've been looking at the tongue. How many have uh, been corrected a little bit in their tongue and what they've been saying? Yes. It's um, one of those areas that we need to hear, and the truth is it can stop you from moving forward. It can be a hindrance. It can stop you from fulfilling the purpose and plan of God for your life. So we need to uh, make sure we have an understanding of this. So we're going to continue speaking about the tongue and the importance of our words, And, and next week I'm on... Uh, look at moving forward and, and talk about being led of the Spirit and just some things I've, I've learned along the way and uh, I believe that will also help us move forward. How many want to move forward? No matter where you're at, you can still move forward. No matter where you're at with God, there's more. No matter how good your marriage is, there's more. There's always more in God, and uh, so we want to always be a people moving forward, but that's our theme this year, and you don't move forward by accident. You have to make a decision and put effort into it and, and move on purpose in order to move forward. If you're not moving forward, you're probably starting to move backwards, <laughs> Because our our Christian walk is really a walk of moving forward. It says we're to go from glory to glory. That means our path is to be getting brighter and brighter. And we keep getting closer to the Lord. We keep walking and and fulfilling what he's called us to do. And it should be increased. In James chapter 3, and we're going to look at a few verses here in James chapter 3. But starting at verse 1, it says, My brethren... Let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. This is very sobering and and humbling if you minister the word of God. uh, Because it says there's a stricter judgment. And uh, very sobering for me because I've heard some of the things I preached when I first started. I don't agree with it, but there's mercy, <laughs> and we grow, and, and we, we come to a place of a more understanding and, and more understanding. But um, if you desire that, always make sure that you take the word seriously because you will be judged on what you're speaking. But it says here that we all stumble in many things. How many would agree with the Bible here? Is anybody here perfect? Okay. If you raise your hand and say you're perfect, you just proved you're not. So <laughs> none of us are. We all stumble uh, in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, also able to bridle the whole body. Wow, what a powerful verse when you think about what's being said here in the book of James. We, we learned that no corrupt communication no words are to come out of us that are uh, worthless, that are words of death don't minister life, words that are, uh, don't build up and edify. It says we're to let no corrupt communication come out of our mouth, only that which edifies or builds up a person, encourages a person, that it may minister grace to the hearer. And then it says, and grieve not the Holy Spirit. One of the ways that we can grieve the Holy Spirit is because of our mouth. Or as Joyce Myers would say, me and my big fat mouth. Y'all, okay. That's a book she wrote a long time ago. And, And the truth is, we always have to come back and we have to evaluate what are the words we're saying. Because we want to be those that minister life because we found out that the power of life and death is in the tongue. That's a pretty powerful thing you got locked in your mouth there. That thing can bring life or death. So we want to 
we want to be those that are stumbling less in our words and growing and increasing. What do you do when you stumble in your words? You ask forgiveness and, and you move forward. But there was one person who did not stumble or offend in word, and that was the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, we agree he walked perfectly. He never spoke a word, uh, a corrupt word. It said that he spoke what he heard his father say. He, he did what he saw his father do. He spoke the word of God. So Jesus was perfect. And it, it doesn't mean when we say stumble, and you look this word up, it, it means offend too. If you don't offend with your word, you're a perfect man. But how many know Jesus offended man? Jesus offended some people. So it's not saying that you won't offend someone. You know, you can speak the, the truth to someone. You can stir them up. It says to uh, encourage or stir up for love and good works among the brethren. You can do that and a person can be offended at you. Amen? Amen. And Jesus spoke things that a lot of people were offended at. So it doesn't mean that. What does it mean? It means he spoke words that didn't offend the Word of God, didn't offend what God says. They were all in agreement with the Word of God. So therefore, he was a perfect man. Now let me say this. You can speak the truth to someone and offend them and still be wrong. Because the Bible says you speak the truth in love. See, if you don't have the love there with the truth, the truth will cause people to get mad and upset. It needs to be love with it. And love sometimes keeps the mouth shut until the opportune time led of the Spirit to give the truth. It says no corrupt communication should come out of your mouth. And when I looked up, it said written or spoken. And all you got to do is look on social media and see there are some written things there from Christians that are not edifying. And I'm a Christian. It didn't edify me. We're not called to attack people. We're called to love people. And besides that, has anyone ever changed their mind on social media after some of those statements. What I see afterwards is it gets worse and worse. So spoken or written, we're to be a blessing. And we're going to see that more in here. But he says here, if you're a perfect man, you're able to bridle the whole body. So the principle here, if you can control your tongue, you can control your body. You can control your flesh. That's amazing. You struggle with addiction, get control of your tongue. You're struggling with the flesh, get control of your tongue. You're struggling in your marriage, get control of your tongue. Struggling financially, get control of your tongue. Because the power of life and death is in the tongue. If you can control your tongue, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So we want our spirit to be in control, but we can use our tongue and we can put the flesh under to walk in the spirit. And then we can rule and reign in this life. But as long as your tongue is going any way it wants to go, if it's untamed, it's out of control, you're going to have an out of control life. Control your body by controlling your tongue. It says in verse 3, Indeed, we put bits in the horse's mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. So James here compares the tongue to the bit in the horse's mouth. Lauren, would you bring me what's beside you there? I want to thank Robert Montgomery for my demonstration this morning. Do I have a volunteer? No. 
Does anyone feel like a horse this morning? No. This is a bridle. This is the bit that the scripture is talking about. And this bit goes in the horse's mouth. How many have ridden a horse in here? From most of us. So you put this on the horse, and you have reins that come down, and you're able to turn the horse. Now, this horse is big. This horse is powerful. But this little bit, this little piece of metal here, controls what direction it will go in. And James is, is saying, that's like your tongue. Think about a horse. This big creature and this little bee piece of metal here, you determine if you're going to reach the destination with that horse. Now, how many have ever been on a horse and it was a, a spirited horse? <laughs> and that's another picture of our tongue, I think, you know, where it's a struggle. You have to be um, constant in the, in the pressure and on your toes to get that horse and, you know, getting the, this thing to do the right thing and to get it to the destination. It usually has a destination in mind when it's spirited like that, and that's back to the barn. <laughs> I was on one one time. I was like 30 feet from the barn. It turned around, it's galloping back to the barn. We got to the barn, and the guy told me, he said, you're being too nice to the horse. There's a bit there, and you're going to have to pull. You're not going to hurt him. And it worked. So think of a wild horse. David Nyland was sharing with me. He saw this in there on my desk when he was getting me wired up for sound. And he said, did you hear about downtown Memphis? Uh, so what? He said there was a wild horse on the loose. One of the carriages, the horse got loose. And the headlines was wild horse on the loose downtown. It injured one person before they got it back in a trailer. But you think of a wild horse that doesn't have the bit, doesn't have the, the tongue under control. It's not fit for anyone to ride. It, it has no purpose. It's aimless. It's just, it has no destination. It's just out there in the fields running or, or standing. But we are not to be like that. We're to recognize and know that our tongue can turn the direction of our life. It can get us to the destination that we're wanting to go to. What destination should that be? The promises of God, what God says, or his purpose and his plan for your life. Your tongue has something to do with it. It shouldn't surprise us. The reason you're married is because your tongue had something to do with it. You said some words. You know that Jesus came to earth and he said words. You know that God saw fit and saw it necessary to speak when he created the earth and the heavens. It was important to God to speak it. And he says, we have to speak it. We have to understand that you can, you can devastate your life because of your tongue. So if you're going in the wrong direction, it's because your tongue is leading you. <laughs> our tongue wants to say what comes to our natural mind. And we have to put some pressure on our tongue to bring it in line with what God says. So that means we have to do some things on purpose to get that word in us and to start speaking it. And we're going to talk about confession some. In James chapter 1 verse 26, if you claim to be religious, and religious here is not the same word that we think about, you know, we Somebody say, well, I'm not religious, and we say, well, I'm not either. <laughs> we have a relationship with the Lord. And, but this, the word religious here means our effective service for God. If you're effective for God. 
So if you claim to be religious or your effective service for God, but don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourselves and your religion or your effective service for God is worthless. If you don't have control of your tongue, you're not going to be effective for God because he wants to use you to speak his word. He wants to love through you and touch others through you. And it takes words. That's a powerful verse there. We're worthless or ineffective. It doesn't mean we're worthless. He still loves us. I'm saying as far as kingdom business, as far as being a light and a witness, our tongue messes us up. In verse 4 it says, Look also at the ships, although... Although they are so large and driven by fierce winds, they are turned by every by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot desires. So next, James compares the tongue to the rudder on the ship. And a ship faces storms and, and fierce winds come against it. And that's what our mind faces, storms and you, you know, we saw the battle was in the mind, that these winds of unbelief and, and doubt and, and fear, all these things come against our, our minds. But see, we have a rudder. We have a tongue that is able to turn us and carry us through the storm. They say that a ship, when the winds are coming, that it turns into to the direction of the winds. If it doesn't, it can capsize. So it turns into the direction of the wind straight on. But see, your tongue can carry you through the storm. Your tongue can get you to the destination. It doesn't matter what comes your way, what hell comes your way, you can go through. And maybe you feel like your life is spinning out of order. Maybe you feel like you're living in, in hell. The truth is you can steer your ship out of it into life, into the promises of God, into a place that no matter what the circumstances are, you have the supernatural peace of God and you know that you're in his hands. You know he will provide. He will come through for you. And what's there to fear? What's there to be afraid of? Because God is with us and in us. Moses said, I can't talk, Lord. I have this issue. I have this problem. And finally God said, look, I made your mouth. I will be with your mouth. I love that. Anyway. I will be with your mouth. So these storms come, we're tempted to speak words. They're not life words, but words of unbelief and death. Words that are not in agreement with God or corrupt communication. And all we're doing, we want to be in agreement with Him. So what happened? The storm gets bigger. The pressure gets stronger. Stress and, and fear and the waves are being tossed to and fro. But see, if you'll use the rudder, the Titanic, so it was 882 feet long, which may be a spare picture. It's like almost three football fields long, 11 stories high, and the rudder was 78 feet long. So you have this, this rudder steering this huge ship. And what's, what's happening? It turns, the captain's up there in the helm, and he turns the rudder. And at first, nothing's happening. It seems like the, the rudder is just resisting the water. He's got it turned, but it's just, it's, it's plowing through, resisting the water. But if you stay at it, if he keeps it there, it starts turning. This huge vessel starts turning it into its destination. So you need it. 
You need this rudder in bad weather, but you need it also in good weather because you want to get to where you want to go. Amen? So you, here's the key, your confession of your mouth, it may seem like at first it's not doing anything. But if you'll continue and be consistent at it and keep the will on your rudder, on the tongue, all of a sudden you'll see your life start changing. You'll see circumstances change. You'll see inside of you that the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will overtake you. And it will be, some people will say, what's wrong with you? You just got some bad news. Are you in denial? What's your problem? You say, well, I just trust Jesus. I believe him. I'm walking with the Lord. He'll come through. He's faithful. He'll never disappoint. He's always good for his word. And things change. And you start moving forward. I had a, a dream. Well, this actually wasn't a dream. I was in prayer. It was a, a little mini vision. I don't have many of those. Usually it's dreams, but... I saw on the banks, I saw people in all these boats, and they were in the sand. The water was out there. They were in the sand, and they're paddling going across the sand. And some were going back this way up towards the land. People were turned going this way. I mean, it was just a mess, and they're all paddling. <laughs> And they're going, we're just not getting nowhere. What's wrong? What's wrong? Where's God? <laughs> and they're in sand. And, and the Lord just, he told me, he said, they're not even in the water. What's the water? The washing of the water, the word. Get into the word. You need to fall in love with the word of God. It's powerful. Well, I'm just not hungry for the word. Well, here's how you get hungry. You force yourself to get into the Bible. It will satisfy and at the same time produce more hunger for it. It's a supernatural book. So you get hungry for the Word and then you reach a point you can't do without it. You have to have that Word in your life. So the storms of life come, we need to be speaking the Word of God. In verse 5, let me say, make this. If you can't control your mouth, you can't control your life. You are living by your words. What you say today will steer your tomorrow. So in a sense, you're prophesying, you're speaking your future by the words that you speak today. It's affecting your tomorrow. So what words are you speaking today for your tomorrow? Well, Pastor, I just don't, uh, I'm just saying what the Bible says. I'm just saying words I really don't believe it. Keep saying it. You can talk yourself into believing it. Because faith cometh by hearing. Well, I feel like I'm lying. You're never lying when you say what God says. It's absolute truth. Now, some people don't understand that. You don't need to go around to some people and start declaring your confession and stuff. They don't understand. You're going to think you're crazy. God told Abraham when he was Abram, I'm changing your name, and names meant something there, to father of many nations. He's 100 years old. Nothing's working. The equipment's broken. And he's calling himself father of many nations. Was he lying or telling the truth? Or was that the way faith works? It's the way faith works. You believe the word of God and you possess it as yours now and you shall have it. Speaking those things that be not as if they are. Sarah, hey, I'm changing your name, Sarah, to Sarah, mother of many nations. She laughed at that. I'm no, no baby here. 
She's 90. What I'm saying is you speak and declare your faith, and it's not based on what you feel or what you see. It's called faith. And that's the way it works. You believe it, and you shall have it. You will see it. It will get in your heart. I had prostate cancer. They said, you need to do surgery now. They did a biopsy, found it, and forgot how many different areas. Said, you need it now. And I said, well, I need to pray. Said, you don't understand. You need this now. I said, fine, I need to pray. I was just naive. I didn't know. I mean... When you marry a nurse, you get your checkups every year. It's just. So I had my yearly checkup and said, um, you know, things. They had some uh, readings that didn't look good. PSA, if you're familiar with that or not, it was real high. Said, this isn't good. Once you come out, we just want to do some tests. So they did biopsy, and then they said, um, we're going to give you the results. I called, what's the results? I still don't really have a clue what's going on. Bring your wife with you when you come back. So go back, and, and Ellen and I are there, and he says, you got prostate cancer. We need to do surgery. And so I got to pray about this, I, and it's nothing wrong with having the surgery. I'm just saying, I'm going to pray about it. <laughs> so I go home and pray about it, and I, I feel like I'm not supposed to have that surgery. And I tried to call him back. And I said, look, I want to be retested. Because I got my confessions out, my little Charles Capps book, and I spoke that thing till. I just didn't need the book. I knew, knew the confessions, and it got so deep down in me, I knew. I said, oh, if you do test again, you'll see it's not there. Oh, we can't do that, sir. Insurance won't allow it. I can't speak to someone else. Someone else there. Yes. So I speak to the person that's over the insurance. I tell them what I want to do. No way. We will not do that. And uh, that was it. So I get a certified letter in the mail. If I'd known they were going to do this, I would have intercepted it. Of course, Ellen gets it. It's a death sentence. If you don't have this surgery, you will die. It'd been easier for me if I'd known and intercepted that. But I mean, I understand, you know. And... Prayed with her, and, and she, well, that's what the Lord's saying. I, she came in agreement. I want her to be at peace. And then a family found out. And then, really, all <laughs> heaven broke out. <laughs> I said, okay, Lord, I, I need need something here. These are people that love me and I understand. I don't want to, you know, just be a. <laughs> so I'm, I'm praying one night and, and the Lord led me get on the internet and look up Christian urologist. And I did. And there was just one here. I called and made an appointment. I came in and, uh, he checked everything, and he says, I can guarantee you, you don't have any prostate cancer. We would not have the readings that we have. And turn out, he was, we just um, love each other. I mean, he's a, a man of God who loves the Lord. But just some of the, the crazy things that, that, that happened, but I spoke to my body and I spoke myself into believing. Well, you sound like you brainwashed yourself. That's what we do. <laughs> Our brain needs to be washed. Mine did. 
We need the brainwashing. And that's what it says that Jesus cleanses the church by the washing of the water of his word. He brings cleansing and refreshing. That's what the husband's role is in the marriage. He is to bring cleansing and wholeness to his wife through words. Verse 5. Even so the tongue is a little member in both great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. Kindles. And the tongue is a fire of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by hell. I mean, all you have to do, you see these uh, fires uh, out west. And I was even thinking about the, the Gatlinburg um, fire, which was a couple years ago, I guess. And... Um, Ellen and I went out there um, after that, uh, I guess it was last year or something. You could still see some of the effects of it. But 17,000 uh, acres were knocked out, burned, burned up. 14 people lost their life. And it, it can start just with a, you know, you, you wonder what's going on in your life. The root cause is somewhere your tongue said something that you believed. That was the root cause of this thing. Because the, the tongue will produce fruit. The tongue will produce. So you say, how did I get here? Well, you got to start speaking. You got to reverse. You got to start speaking God's word. Start speaking life. Reverse the blaze that's burning up your life. Reverse it and replace it with a peaceful, passionate fire for God. You can change it. If your words got you there that started your mess, it can stop the mess. Words are powerful. Our uncontrolled tongue has the power to bring destruction into our lives and others. Verse 7, for every kind of beast and bird of, the, of reptile and creatures of the sea is tamed has been tamed by mankind, but no one can tame the tongue. It's an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who've been made in the similitude, or the image of God. Out of the same mouth, out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be. Does a spring Send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening. Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. So the tongue is untamable by man. We can't tame it. But the creator of your tongue, of your mouth, can tame it. God Almighty can tame it. And you can try and tame it. Have you ever told yourself, I'm not going to say, do that again? <laughs> or you said something, anybody ever said something stupid? Put your foot in your mouth, you go, why in the world did I say that? I, I'm not going to do that again. I'm going to tame my tongue. Here we go for another ride again. <laughs> say something nuts, crazy. It's impossible for us to tame it. But notice here, it talks about trees. No tree can produce two different types of fruit. Fig tree produces figs. Apple tree produces apples. The grapevine produces grapes. But the tongue produces, can produce different types of fruit. It can produce blessing and cursing. Isn't that interesting? Out of the same mouth can come blessing or curses. 
And that's where we get in the trouble because we can be walking, speaking blessings, encouraging someone, and they out of the same mouth be cursing. And it's kind of like that double-minded stuff or like a wave tossed by the sea. Think no man will receive from God because he's double-minded. I'm, I'm agreeing with you part-time, but the other time I'm not. But he said it ought not be. And what's that mean? It's not natural for the Christian. It's not natural for us to carry words of death. Or to carry words that are unedifying. Or to tear down. What's natural for the Christian is to build up and bring edification. And release the love of God. And that's what we, we need to be doing. We need to speak life to our, our spouses. Husband, praise your wife as if she is the woman of God you want her to be. You praise her for where you want her to be. What are you doing? You're speaking things that are not as if they were. You're releasing your faith. And you say what the Bible says. Call her that virtuous woman. Start building her up and blessing her. It's what you're called to do. Same for the wife. Speak words of life. Don't be on him about the wrong things he does. Find out what he does right and build him up on that. If you keep correcting him and saying, you're doing this wrong, you're doing this wrong, he starts feeling like a, a little kid. And he didn't marry his mama. We're to build each other up. We're to bless each other. So we speak and release words of life. It doesn't mean that we don't talk about the issues. We do. But you speak about them in the love of God. And you listen. We got two ears to listen. We need to listen to each other. I found out a long time ago that I needed to listen to Ellen. Because she had wisdom. She sees things differently from me. Because we're different people. If you haven't noticed, male and female think differently. But I need to learn and respect her thinking and the way she sees things. Because you bring the two together and you got wholeness. You got the full picture. What God's called us to, to walk in. I don't know how many times I've, I've seen the man and he's joking his wife is the, the butt of his jokes, and she's sitting right there, just nitpicking and tearing her down. Can't, we can't do that. But at the same time, she needs to encourage him. He, he needs, encourage means to put in courage. Put in courage. You can do it. I trust and believe in you. Start building up, seeing them through the eyes of the Lord. And things will change. But stop speaking death over your health, over your finances, over your work, over your decisions, over your children. You say, I will never get out of debt. My marriage will fail. My kids are driving me crazy. You know, you keep saying that long enough, you're going to believe it and you're going to go crazy. I'm not saying that you're just perfect and, you know, mess up sometime. I'm not saying that. My husband will never get saved. Well, if that's where your faith is. I thought you were praying for him. Oh, I am. I am. But he's just an old rascal. He's never going to get saved. He has no interest in God. Did you all your life have interest in God? <laughs> I will never fulfill God's purpose in my life. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I just can't hear from God. He's just silent when it comes to me. And you say it enough. 
I cannot understand the Bible. I got one of those easy-to-read translations. I cannot understand the Bible at all. Well, he gave you the Holy Spirit to help you understand. There's teachers and there's books. There's a lot out there to help us. Amen? Start saying, or I need some wisdom. I just can't get the wisdom of God. Well, he said, ask for it. Have you asked him for it? Yeah, I asked him for it 2,000 times. He hadn't said a word. He said, if you read the rest of it, he said, to ask in faith. <laughs> Believe that you have the wisdom. But he hasn't said a word to me. Believe that you have the wisdom because he's a faith God. He's pleased by faith. He's pleased by you trusting him. He say, I believe I have the wisdom. I believe I hear from God. And then he'll speak. And then you'll know. Then you'll hear. So I want to look uh, there in your notes, opening the door for God to tame your tongue. And we, we talked about uh, in the first first one on this about your lips are an open door remember it's an open door your lips to the enemy or to God we connect with God through words and we connect to the enemy through words the enemy uses our words or the God uses our words so you see there number one submit your tongue to the Lord one thing you have to do is I want my tongue to be tamed so I submit my tongue, my words to you, Lord. And you make a decision. I want my tongue to belong to you. I want my tongue to speak life. I want to represent you here on the earth. I want to speak those words that don't offend heaven. I don't want to be one going about with corrupt communication. I want to speak words that edify and minister grace. Number two, confess God's word. You got to start confessing the Word of God on purpose, and that will get you. I've had times where I had a situation, and what will come bubbling up to my mind is a scripture, and it's one I've been confessing, and it's the answer. God will use those, the, the Word of God that you start confessing to minister to you. And you'll start getting it in your heart and you'll believe it. Meditate on God's Word. And you need to sometimes take your, your confessions and you, you pick one out for that day and you meditate on that. What does that mean? You put yourself in that place. You start thinking about what you're saying. Uh, part of meditation is to mutter or to speak. To think about, to imagine, to envision. So you start seeing yourself in that verse. And you meditate on it. Next, keep praise, worship, and thanks in your mouth. We saw that this morning. Uh, what Pastor Rob was talking about. You're making a declaration. Do you think you're lying when you, when you sing, I'm free? See, what are you doing? You're speaking the Word of God. God has given us music because music will touch the emotions. Yeah. Music, He gave us music to touch our soul, our emotions, our feelings. You can start feeling different when you start thanking God when you get praise and worship on. I can prove it. Get one of the songs you grew up on. Get one of the old ones. We were listening to Ellen and I to Hey, Hey, We're the Monkeys. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. But. And all of a sudden, I was transported. I had on bell bottoms. Had this long hair and... Bell bomb had stripes on them. <laughs> and I mean, I felt like I was Davy Jones. Here we come. <laughs> and you get, you start, your feelings start change. 
get you some praise and worship music. There's times that I want to crank it up. I want something that I don't want just, you know, real soft worship. I, I want something to crank it up. What are you talking about, Pat? I'm talking, I'll go all out in my car. I'll have skillet going. If you see me going by and, and the car's going, woo, woo. <laughs> That's your pastor. It's going, hey. God is better than drugs. <laughs> He's the most high. Dance time with the meditative music. It's edifying me. It's building me up. <laughs> Number five, pray in the Spirit. And if you're not familiar with this, you can come down after service, ask prayer partners, and you, you need to be praying in the Spirit. You pray the perfect will of God on your life. You can't miss it. And you know what you're doing? You're yielding your tongue to the Holy Spirit. So every time that you pray in the Spirit, you're practicing having your tongue tamed by God. Because you're yielding it up to Him. And you're praying the perfect will of God on your life that you can't miss it. Wow. Awesome. So I put some confessions down here just to give you... It's already that time. Okay. Let's stand up for a moment. I want us to just say some confessions together. I've got a million confessions on that. I mean, confessions all over the place. But I put these together, and I put the verses, and you can go back, and you can make your own confessions, but you can look at the Scriptures. I just took those Scriptures and just put something together. And this is something that you can do or you can use these. And uh, I might bring some more next week just to uh, give you more examples or something that you can use. So uh, let's say this together. Say, today I live as a man. And you can say a woman of God. And the evil one Hallelujah. Just bow your heads for just a moment. I want to give you an opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord this morning. The greatest decision that you can make on this earth is to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He is the Messiah. He came and He died for you to give you new life, that you can be a part of the family of God. But you choose... And you speak some words from your heart, accepting him into your life. And then you live for him. You choose to follow him. And his word becomes the final authority in your life. If that's you this morning, you will make that decision. So won't you slip your hand up and we'll all pray together and welcome you into the family of God. 
Maybe you prayed this before, but you recognize that your relationship's not right with God and you want to come home. You can get in on this too. So for either one of these, to accept the Lord first time or just to get right with God, so lift your hand and we'll pray together. Thank you, Jesus. Well, let's pray. Say, Dear Father, thank you for Jesus Christ. I believe that Jesus died to give me freedom. Freedom from sin and the punishment of sin. Freedom from fear, guilt, and shame. I believe you died on the cross, Lord, and you were raised from the dead. I put my trust in you and you alone. I give you my life, and I'll follow you all my days. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Empower me to live this Christian life. And I give you all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll-free at 866-383-8277.